What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm UB, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina. I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike. I'm uh, the blind guy. It's that important, right? And that sets the tone. Again, it models that behavior. This is a non-negotiable belief and value and behavior that we expect at this organization, even in the most trying times. Well, and I, I, I love that. And I, Julie, our, our previous conversation, I, uh, <laughs> being be, be the, being the blind guy on the show, uh, that's my role talking about people with disabilities. We, um, you know, organizations, restaurants, uh, is, is service industries that are still uh, open to the public right now for takeout or delivery. Um, they are uh, the ones that uh, were thoughtful in their digital platforms, making sure that they were accessible to the people with disabilities, which is 17 to 20 percent of the American population. All of a sudden, I mean, wouldn't you in times like this, all of us, just by making some simple changes to your digital platform, very simple changes, all of a sudden now, you're actually, again, you're, you're not missing out on one in five consumers, right? And so, but I, 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 I love that thoughtfulness um, conversation and what we talked about before, because you've been in the DNI game or DENI or EDNI, whatever acronym we want to throw out there, but, um, you, it was it was fascinating to me when you you openly talked about because you get you get invited to all these diversity inclusion panels and conferences and everything else and and quite and it, it was um, uh, the honesty that you shared like how few uh, people with disability discussions that are out there even in you know the DNI the DENI space so I'd love to get um, uh, you know just some of your some of your feedback on that conversation we had uh, previously. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and, and know that touches so many Americans' lives, like you said. I mean, if you, one in, one in five, one in four, whatever estimate you're using. Um, and, and a lot of times we talked about it being non-apparent too. So you can't just use the example of somebody in a wheelchair or somebody with a service dog or you know, some sort of visible sig- uh, symbol. Um, a lot of times it, it goes way beyond that. And um, an example I use, you know, Mike, that, you know, we, we talked about, I was um, giving a talk on diversity storytelling. So one of the tools in the Ally Toolkit is, you know, having your diversity story. And, and especially for people, again, in the majority group to acknowledge, you know, I felt different before. I felt like I didn't belong before. It was not the same. It's not a competition. Um, but I, I, I get it and I can empathize a bit. Um, I was giving that talk and a man uh, in the front row came up to me afterwards and I didn't notice at the time, um, but he showed me his hearing aids and he wore his hair. He told me about wearing his hair long um, to cover his ears so that no one could notice his hearing aids. And as he was sharing his perspective on it and acknowledging his own diversity story, he thought, this is a nice bridge, right? For somebody that's, people-bodied, um, like myself, to acknowledge, 
you know, my gender experience or my socioeconomic experience, but he can also um, recognize his disability experience. So I, the more that we can bring all these dimensions of diversity together, um, I truly believe we're stronger together um, to keep us in silos. And, and the most, you know, kind of infamous example of this is, is people of color and, and, and gender conversations have happened in vacuums and silos forever. And why is that? You know, a woman of color can't undo the two. Um, that's not fair uh, to her. And it, it keeps us weaker. So just like with disabilities, just like with the LGBTQ community, even if you don't identify as someone as that part of that community, it's easy to say, well, what do I know about disabilities? Like, ah, throw up my arms, run away, you know, take my marbles and leave. Instead, as an ally, look at the common threads that we have across all these dimensions of human experience and how we can be helpful to one another instead. Yes, it requires a bit of education. Yes, you have to do a little bit of homework. But there are podcasts like this. <laughs> there are books that you can easily find to support your ally journey to get yourself more comfortable having that um, somewhat uncomfortable conversation at first. And I think that's what scares people away from talking about something like disability. It's like, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to say or do the wrong thing. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being the perfect ally. It's really about understanding each other as humans. I love that. Get, get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. I think that's, that's a good slogan for everyone to kind of internalize. Well, especially well, now. Well, the, uh, so the, the language that's used so often, and again, I'm very respectful, you know, using the, because we're, we're, we're people first. So if, if we, if our intent is to use the people versus uh, first language, right? So people with disabilities, people of color, people, you know, within the LGBTQ, like we're, we're people first. Um, however, on the, on the flip side of that, just, just, just making sure that, um, uh, like I, <laughs> I, I, I like to share a story of recognizing that sometimes to, um, it's to, to maybe not be so, um, fired up over, uh, what you think is the wrong intent. I, I flew into with some friends into Cusco, which uh, go, going to Machu Picchu, you got to fly into Cusco. Um, and they, it's a small airport. It's a really small. They, they wheel up the, the stairs to each of the planes. And uh, I'm sure they don't get a lot of blind people that are getting off planes going to Machu Picchu there. And so they had two security, um, two, two like airport agent, very big guys that came running up the stairs and they grabbed me by each of the arm because they, 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 their intent was to help me down the stairs and do all that kind of stuff. But my, my friend who was traveling with me takes a picture and says, look, Mikey's already arrested. Um, you know, cause, <laughs> cause it looked like I was being arrested and, um, and I could have freaked out and, and there was an, there was a language uh, challenge uh, barrier. There was, uh, you know, all kinds of things, but I, I really, I could tell that their intent wasn't malicious. Their intent wasn't to be degrading. Their, their intent was to help. And, and sometimes I think if we, if we stop taking so many things so personal and feeling like, you know, like, oh, I'm being attacked for my gender or my relationship orientation or for my color, like we're, you know, and, and maybe take a step back and, and hit the pause button um, and, and just realize, I think when we're using these allyship kind of conversations, not everybody's trying to attack. And I think slow, hitting the pause button each individually 
um, can help those relationships and that, that ability to build more bonds. Feels like those two guys maybe were um, really secretly wanting to be in the WWE. <laughs> they literally they carried to me your all the way to the baggage. It was it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> they carried me all the way to the baggage. <laughs> oh my goodness, can we, that's really. Can we get funny. a picture of that and post that on our website? Oh please, please. please. <laughs> I think it speaks to the challenge of an ally. Is what do you do in that situation? You want to do something? No one wants to like stand by and be idle. <laughs> but what is the most helpful thing you can do? And people don't know sometimes what to do. And like you said, positive, positive intent. I, I always joke with people, no one gets out of bed in the morning like, oh, I'm going to ruin someone's day. I can't wait to be a racist today. It, it just isn't usually a motivator of people. It might feel like that sometimes, but it's usually not the motivator. Yeah. And instead, well, knowledge, yeah. most people are coming from a good place. Yeah, I totally agree. And when I think that's, that's like where the awareness comes in. That's why all these resources and you know, and just learning about yourself um, helps that, right? Because yeah, you don't have to have all the answers, but if I understand that, yeah, sometimes I think like this, then I at least give myself the opportunity to make a better decision when that same thought comes into my head again. And I th think that's, that's the key here is you don't, nobody has to be perfect. This isn't, this isn't a one and done, I'm gonna get it right away kind of thing. Uh, this is something that people will always be working on, no matter what. It's a journey. Um, it is. It is bad news. Like there's no, there's yeah, no totally. end. There's no goal. <laughs> so but you know, there shouldn't work. be. There shouldn't be either. I think. You know, I think it should always kind of be, be moving forward like this, and everybody should. And again, that's why I think this is such an interesting opportunity in our in our lifetime to, to practice that because we are literally all isolated, but yet need to be more connected than ever. And so what a great time for, for everyone to, to reach out. And, and, you know, we've talked about this a few times in the last couple of weeks um, and a couple of other pieces of content that we've been, uh, well, in our last podcast, actually, you know, that for, for a lot of people, this is what's happening right now. The not being able to pay rent, losing your job, you know, raising kids with no childcare at home by yourself or, you know, not having food. That's, that's been happening to a lot of people just in normal everyday life. Forget about COVID-19. And so this is such a level set. And it's, it's now like, and with Zoom, for example, it's, it's giving us the opportunity to actually see into people like to their lives and to understand that they've been going through this every single day of their lives, not just mm -hmm. in the last month. Um, and so there's this great opportunity for empathy and, uh, and, and really creating or, or building our sense of empathy and, and building our competencies around empathy that, that, I, I, again, this is just a weird once in a lifetime opportunity that I don't know that yeah. we'll ever get. And if we don't take advantage of it now, we're not going to come out the other side. Yeah, I think that's a great, great entry point to privilege and understanding your privilege too. You know, well, you, we yeah. could definitely do another podcast on privilege and how that impacts oh everything that's going on. But Julie, uh, how can people get access to your book? Yeah. Just want to share that with our listeners. Please. Uh, so check out nextpivotpoint.com. There I have a page on Lead Like an Ally for the new book. 
and we have a podcast dedicated um, to the book and its topics and experts as well. Uh, we also have uh, thought leadership blogs and videos to complement uh, the activities, and that's all complimentary um, on the website Next Pivot Point. I also respond to every email I get personally. Uh, Julie at nextpivotpoint.com is the best way to reach me. And I post daily on LinkedIn. So if you're interested in this subject, you want to see more about the book, engage with me there. Uh, Julie Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z. Awesome. Awesome. I think one last, one last thing um, we, I, we wanted to cover in, is, so you're, you're in Indianapolis uh, or in Indiana. And, um, you know, we're out here in the wild, wild west of Colorado. What do you notice differences regionally? I mean, as far as this diversity and inclusion world that we that we all live and work in, I mean, what do you, what are the biggest differences that you notice or if there are any like or, or you know, certain areas of the country, you know, falling behind or behind others and or is the attitude different, you know? Well, I mean, if you start globally and then dial it back to the U.S., I mean, something like gender equality that's been measured for 50 plus years, we're 53rd. You know, I think that's a big barometer on human and overall diversity and inclusion. So as a U.S. perspective, we're behind. But if you peel back the onion and look at the coasts and, and where I am in the Midwest and, and you're further west, um, you do see coastal trends. Um, you know, California is definitely passing some aggressive, um, not aggressive, a, a, the a proper legislation, right, to um, ensure equal representation on boards and pay equity. Um, and so are states like New York and um, the East Coast area. But, you know, as somebody that travels, I spend a lot of time in Indiana and the Midwest, but I travel to the coasts a good three, four times a year, each coast. I got to tell you, the conversations I have are not different. Uh, everyone's still struggling with microaggressions, privilege, you know, all the words we've been using from the diversity dictionary today. Uh, these challenges are everywhere and the experiences are often unique, but the things that people express to me, their experience in the workplace, their experiences in our culture um, are very much very similar um, regardless of what part of the country you're from. So I think Yes, we have some great leadership politically and even inside companies um, in California and on the East Coast um, and certainly um, uh, the West Coast as well. Well, we have some work to do uh, in the Midwest. There aren't many companies led by women or people of color here, um, for example, and rural areas um, you know, tend to be outpaced by urban areas uh, with um, diversity and inclusion. So we've got some work to do, um, but I, I think while the differences, there, there are definitely some, I, I think again, the common thread of that human experience throughout the country uh, is one that, that keeps us all together and keeps us united. Yeah. Mike, do you have, uh, do you have your mic drop ready? <laughs> no pressure. I, well, I've just been, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm such a, I'm, I, I love, I'm so honored to be uh, part of this podcast, uh, guys, and the amazing guests that we get to uh, talk to um, all over the place. But uh, talking to a, a, a diversity and inclusion leader, being in the game, I, uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled to hear that uh, there are, um, there are others that are out there that are continuing to beat the drum because there are so many of us uh, that are the, all four of us on this podcast have experienced 
um, what uh, what inclusion does not feel like. And it's going to take leadership, uh, not only the four of us, but more out there to uh, continue to beat the drum because inclusion matters. Diversity is mandatory in our global economy, but inclusion is something that you choose into. And that's why we were very thoughtful with the Choose Inclusion podcast, because you have to choose into inclusion to make a difference. So uh, thank you, Julie, for being a part of this and a part of the mission. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, yes, thank you so, so much. And um, we'll, we'll help get the word out on the book. And yeah, just loved every minute of this conversation. Uh, this will be a, a two-parter, so look for that. And uh, thank you all so much. It's been a pleasure, as always. Thanks, Yubi. Thanks, Nina. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at chooseinclusion.